Welcome. Wow. <laughs> you were ready for once. I had to throw you off your game. <laughs> Welcome to the Town of Love Basketball and Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Adam Metz, and with me, as always, my co-host, Mike Regan. Mike, how are you doing this Sunday morning? Oh, uh, sunshine and fucking rainbows out here. Let me tell you what. <laughs> let, me, let me guess how you started your day, Adam. Uh-huh. I'm going to guess you got up at, what, 5, 30, 6 o'clock? 5. 5. Went to the gym. Came back, had a healthy vegan breakfast. Yep. Maybe got a little shower in. Yep. Got on the pod. Yep. Nailed it. Yeah, I started my day. <laughs> How'd you start your day? I slept for about two and a half hours. <laughs> got up about 4.30, couldn't sleep. Played some video games. Got up. Was hungry. Went to Burger King. <laughs> for breakfast like a degenerate. I'm now drinking an energy drink. I'm sitting down to record a podcast. What'd you get at Burger King? <laughs> I got a sausage cheese croissant. Now, is there any indication that any of those things were made within the state of New York, or is it pretty obvious and agreed upon that they were made somewhere hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away and just kind of assembled and put onto a heat lamp? You're talking about the items that constructed my sausage uh, and cheese croissant? Yes. No, they all came very frozen. Very, very frozen. I don't think the king's paying for the freshest of ingredients. <laughs> like, uh, like I hate those Chipotle commercials. I've been in Chipotle's. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chipotle's really trying to high road me. They're like, yeah. oh, we don't even have a freezer here. And I'm like, all right, guys, you're like the Ebola people. So maybe fucking cool it with the always the freshest ingredients shit. Maybe buy a freezer. <laughs> <laughs> you have lots of Ebola if you bought a freezer. <laughs> yeah. I was in a Chipotle last night. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I hate my body. What was the time difference between when you were in a Chipotle and when you were in a Burger King? I was in a Chipotle at shortly after 6 o'clock. I ate that for dinner, and then about 13 hours later, I had Burger King for uh, for Brecky. <clears throat> they should put you on some kind of watch list. Probably. <laughs> Probably like a about to have a stroke watch list would be a good one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was saying that everybody knows how sad and pathetic my life is. I know if you wanted to move on. Yeah. You want to talk about millionaires who play sports? Oh, sure. Okay. All right, Mike. This week we're kicking it off with some basketball talk. No big gimmicks this week. I know we've had some pretty good gimmicks the last few weeks, and we'll have some in the near future. I enjoy the gimmicks. This week we just got news to catch up on across Mm -hmm. basketball and hockey. For starters, in basketball, we got the all-star rosters announced, and uh, Mike, I... I got to level with you on this one. I don't know why we all care this year. Why do I, we ever care? I, I It feels like it's everyone's making a big deal. Like, now there's this whole thing where everyone's talking about how we have to expand the all-star rosters to 15 players per side because Sabonis, Fox, Sangoon, Rudy Gobert all got snubbed. Why, what, why is this an issue we care about now? Why is this... Th- like, this, this feels like when the NBA this offseason was like, all right, everyone's real upset about resting players, so we got to make a 65-game cutoff to win the MVP. Yeah. Like, it just it, We got like on one weird groupthink day on Twitter, and now the prevailing theory is everyone saying, oh, yeah, got to have 15 players per side. It's ridiculous when we have 12. How big is an NBA roster for a game? Is it 15? 15 players, yeah. 15 players? Okay. Um, why? If that's pointless. Not that being an all-star really means anything to resumes anymore, but 
like at some point you're like, oh yeah, let's take like some of the dudes who'd get on the All Star team would be very like, yeah, I guess, I guess they're an All Star. <laughs> Paolo like, Bencaro. Yeah, I feel like we should have less. Like six per side. <laughs> yeah, like let's have six. You got your starting five and your six man. I'd even bump it up to maybe eight. <clears throat> But, like, just get the best of the best, or how they usually do it, the biggest names, and go from there. Yeah, so that was kind of my thought on it, too, where maybe we shouldn't worry about expanding the roster size until players prove that they even care about making the roster. Yeah. Like, uh, you want to expand it to 15. The 12 guys that make it now barely fucking show up to the game. Yeah, the only ones that are cool every year are the, like, younger guys who have never got an all-star spot and so it's like oh cool their name's actually like recognizable enough that they're on like jalen brunson dope yeah but everything else i mean it i I don't get upset about all-star rosters really i think it's kind of a very small minute detail chat me up my memory escapes me um i guess burger king for breakfast and burger king for breakfast is not brain food um is it still just like a regular game? Yeah, I mean they it's have so the, lame. They have that fourth quarter rule where what the the game ends when you hit a target score instead of at the end of regulation. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. I forget what the name of it is, but I basically like say the West is leading the East one thirty to one twenty six at the end of the game. Okay. Then for the fourth quarter, the West will have to score twenty six points, and the East will have to score thirty, and whoever does that first wins the game. So that's cool because it's guaranteed to end on a bucket. But yeah. outside of that, yeah, just a normal fucking game. I'm going to throw out my two ideas. One, 10-man rosters. Or no, four five-man rosters. It's a... you could, or, or you could even do like a three-on-three tourney, but it should just be games of 21. Got to win by two scores in a little tourney. I think that would be more fun. Or it would be really fun. Sub twenty, sub thirty year old players versus over thirty year old players. I always thought I, they make like a whole event out of it, and they want to have the arena. I always thought it'd be way more fun if they do like concrete court outside Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Just have Probably dudes like do like shirts versus skins. Just have dudes show up in whatever shorts they're you know they got sitting around at home, play a game of like make it take it twenty one. And then everyone goes home. Like, it, we've we've turned it into like this big production event that it's kind of like it kind of has like an Olympics feel to it, where you're like, man, a lot of money went into this thing that most people don't care about. And if you could do it, that still for like the three point contest and the dunk contest, rising stars, right. skills competition, all that. Have the over the top production value, but let's just get like fucking James Harden out there fucking around on a concrete well James Harden's not an all-star so that was a terrible point but let's get mm-hmm. let's get like LeBron James out there like throwing backboard lobs against one of those like weird kind of like rounded at the top backboards mm-hmm. that's way harder than the NBA glass backboards for some reason That'd be let's, fun. Get, let's get weird with it let's, let's really embrace where basketball is instead of turning it into a spectacle that no one cares about one important rule though if they did your idea of shirts versus skins lebron has to be on skins <laughs> the man the man not figured, Jokic. <laughs> the man genetically figured out how to regrow his hairline like him and elon musk are the only two people that i've ever seen do it mm-hmm. i'm sure he's got like a finn balor-esque eight pack at 40 still yeah you know i mean i um 
I am one who uh, respects the male form. Okay. I can say that. I'm comfortable in my sexuality. And, you know, most people skip through commercials, but when, like, that, you know, that LeBron, like, little workout commercial's on, it's like, well, maybe, I, maybe I sit through this one. So is this your roundabout way of saying LeBron's hot? <laughs> From the neck down. You don't think he's got a hot face? What? A 180 from about three weeks ago. I was telling Genie Bus to call me. I think you just want to fuck the Lakers. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> they fucked me last night. Hey, oh, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention about the All-Star game. Mike, do you know who is the coach for the East? It's a Doc Rivers. I see it's that. Doc Rivers. <laughs> How is that a thing? So... The coach for the All-Star game is the one seed in each conference. Mm. So it's going to be Mark Dagnall in the West. I mean, maybe. It'll be either him or, or Finchie. Um, or outside chance, Ty Lue. Uh, but in the, the East, the one seed is Joe Maz with the Celtics. But he coached last year. And for some reason, they have a rule that you can't coach the All-Star game two years in a row. But so it went to the two seed, the currently one and two Doc Rivers on the season. Okay, but there's not a rule that's like, hey, if you've only coached like a week of basketball, you can't. Yeah. Like this, this should be Tibbs. This is disgusting. <laughs> I, I kind of like the idea of just continuing to create eliminator rules until we somehow get all the way down to like Monty Williams coaching it. This should be Tibbs versus Finch. Oh, man. Tibbs would win. Tibbs, because t- Tibbs <laughs> is going to yell at him. Finch is going to show up and be like, you guys just want to hang out and gamble? Actually, I think Tibbs' doctor was like, you can't coach the All-Star game. There is no defense, and it may kill you. <laughs> Tibbs? Tibbs by the third quarter, <laughs> if, like, in the LA game especially, because OG wasn't playing, Mitchell Robinson wasn't playing, Julius Randle wasn't playing, so his only, like, Tibbs guy out there was Josh Hart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by the third quarter, he looks like the after photo from those Alex Jones workout videos. <laughs> he's just like, it's still Tibbs, but he's red. He's yeah. so red, brother. He's getting extended Miles McBride minutes. It's like this isn't yeah. going to go well for Tibbs today. Um, <laughs> I like the idea if he did coach it because he'd be benching players for not playing defense and eventually there'd be no players on the court for his team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first forfeit. In all-star game history. Tibbs is just out there in a sweatband slapping the floor. He's like, you against me, LeBron. I'll do it myself. <laughs> Do you see, I saw a thing on, it was either on Twitter or like somewhere the other day, where it was like, you know things are going good for the Knicks when Tibbs is actually smiling and laughing for the first time ever in, yeah. like, a, in like a press conference. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I think it was after, um, it might have been like a Brunson 35-point game or something. Which yeah. is every Brunson game, it feels like, recently. Didn't he have 40 against L.A. last night? I don't think he got to 40. He had another big game, but... He might have had like, 40 in the game that Tibbs was smiling after. Yeah. Uh, any more thoughts on the All-Star game, Mike? Do you have any, like, significant snubs you want to point out? I hate snubs because it's, A, easy. You just go, ah, oh, this person should have made it. And you never have yeah. to say who should have gotten knocked off the list. And, B, like, everyone's done it. So, yeah, I didn't write down any snubs. Yeah, I literally, like... I was pulling up stuff before we <clears throat> started the pod and I pulled up the all-star rosters and I was like, Oh, I wonder if I should have jotted down some snubs, <laughs> um, but no, it was unnecessary. I mean, it's basically just like, Hey, have good per game averages and be like a solid name that people know and you're in. Uh, but in pulling up these rosters, I didn't know one thing. 
I don't understand why, why we talk about Shamit face, but there's no such thing as Booker face. You think you think Booker's got a bad basketball face? Yeah, he's got, he's got, he's got a weird face. How about Ben Caro <laughs> face? They they had like the video when Ben Caro found out he was a first time All Star, and it's mm-hmm. like they're videotaping inside the media room for the Orlando Magic, and Ben Caro just kind of looks like a dude waiting for a bus. Like he doesn't look like yeah. a basketball player at all. <laughs> I love if you pull up the Western Conference uh, roster, everybody is smiling. Like Doncic is, I, I think that's like a like a weird Western European smile. He's trying. Slovenian uh, smile, they call yeah. it. Yeah. Jokic isn't. He just has kind of like the background Bond henchman face going on. But then <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, just deadpan. <laughs> Most hilarious roster photo. Uh, you got any uh, – oh, man, I'm going to butcher her last name. You got any thoughts on the Steph Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu? Ionescu? Three-point contest? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. Sorry. I saw Julius Randle's picture, and he looks like – remember that time when Ron DeSantis like, tried to smile, and it was like a robot glitching out? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know how to smile. It's an uncomfortable anyway. – uh, no, I hadn't even actually heard about that. I apologize for being un- an uninformed swine. I'll be honest. Come All-Star Weekend, if I have, like, if I'm not doing anything, I might sit down and watch, like, the skills competitions. I think those are fun. Um, if not, I'll, like, watch all the highlights afterwards. <clears throat> and I probably won't watch the All-Star Game. I really, I, I just don't really like All-Star Games. <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in the next segment. So, yeah. well, you know. You got plenty of time. All right, Mike. Next up, two major injuries announced this week. Yeah. Well, I mean, more than two, but two potentially season-ending injuries. I mean, Mm -hmm. we had, like, since last time we talked, I think that, like, the Randall injury happened, but that's not quite breaking the top two list here on the week. First off, Joel Embiid has what they're calling a displaced flap in his meniscus. Uh, Guys, it's a meniscus meniscus tear. I don't know why you got to get all fucking weird about it. Like, I was – it's like – one part of his meniscus, like, like, on top of another part it shouldn't be on? Isn't the meniscus just one thing? I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to bring on a doctor. Mike, why do they call it a tricep? Because you try to work them out every <laughs> once in a while. And if you're CM Punk, you fail at trying not to tear them. <laughs> CM Punk's is called a tear-sep. Yes. Um. But it happens after Jonathan Kaminga lands on his leg on Tuesday. The Sixers are being really cagey about this one. Like, yeah. they're saying, they keep saying that they're evaluating options, evaluating options, evaluating options, but we haven't really gotten any news on what's going to happen. Now they're saying they're mulling surgery. Surgery will definitely end in bead season. And they're talking about potential rehab options for it. He's been playing with discomfort in his knee for a while. And there's some theories that the particular way this meniscus is torn, it could have been torn for a while and just got aggravated by Kaminga landing on his knee. So he could potentially rehab and play and then get the surgery later if the 76ers really feel like they're finals contenders. Uh, But I'll tell you what, this definitely drops Embiid below the 65-game threshold, so he's not going to be all NBA. He's not going to win the MVP despite having a 70-point game. Mm-hmm. If I mean, and that's assuming he comes back and plays and has like 64 games. Do you think this injury is going to kill the 65 game rule one year into its tenure? No, I don't because Embiid already won one. So people, I don't think as many people will be up in arms about it. 
Yeah, it depends on how close the MVP race ends up at the end. Yeah. Or if it feels like whoever wins it won it by default because Embiid didn't win. Like, now I believe the favorite is back to being Jokic, which mm-hmm. Jokic isn't having, like, an outstanding season by Jokic numbers. He's having, like, an outstanding season by any other center in the league numbers. But mm-hmm. it just looks like a Jokic season. So I think there's a potential that this could be a big issue if Jokic wins it and we all just kind of go, well, Embiid would have won if he had played 66 games. Yeah, and also, like, let's say they have to go the surgery route and his regular season's done, and you see he only played 34. <clears throat> that's a large enough... <clears throat> that's like... God damn. That's like 31 games too little. Because you have to play 65, or is it 66? Yeah. 65. Yeah. yeah, so that's 31 games. It's, it's not like it was like, oh, he played 60, this is bullshit. It's like, okay, he played like way less than you needed to. <clears throat> yeah, and, and be- I don't think that anyone's ever won the MVP playing less than 60 games. Yeah, and speaking to your KG point, I think I saw that they got like fined after the one game because they didn't put him on the injury report in time. Yeah, that was the the Denver game mm-hmm. where Embiid had been dealing with knee soreness. Going into the game, Embiid said he was playing. The 76ers said he was playing. And then like five hours before the game, four hours before the game, they scratched him. Mm-hmm. And they said it was for injury reasons. So the NBA was like, fuck that. Pay up. Yeah. Taking that straight out of Daryl Morey's pocket. Or Josh Harris's pocket, I guess. Yeah. I got it, it is a bummer. Here's here's For- the thing about the uh, the Embiid fine on that is, why did Josh Harris hire Dan Quinn? That's really the question about the <laughs> Embiid injury. It was probably Dan Quinn's job to get that injury report done. He fucked it up. <clears throat> Fucking um, Dan Quinn. Ruining the 76ers season. It's a bummer. Like, I love Tyrese Maxey. Probably my, actually my favorite player on the 76ers. But he's not going to, I don't, without Embiid, he can't will this team into being a high seed or like a playoff contender. You think like if Tobias Harris could actually go back to being like a decent scorer again without Embiid out there? I feel like Tobias Harris catches unnecessary strays. His contract's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, that's the thing, right? Like, it's, his contract is so big, and that's the issue. But 17.9 points a game this season. Yeah. Six boards, one steal a game. Not not worth $40 million, but, like, that's, yeah. that's, like, way better than just a rotational piece. Yeah. Probably worth, like, what, $20 million? Yeah, $18 million. So, like, yeah. Austin Reeves' contract? Yeah, in today's NBA. <clears throat> yeah. I'd be but, inclined to agree. But because he makes $40 million, we're all like, did you guys realize that Tobias Harris is the worst player in basketball? All right. So if I said <clears throat> to help keep the 76ers. Can you clear 76ers, your fucking throat? I know. I don't like, know what's get, wrong get with me. Get shit straight so I can just Let edit all the noises out. Um, if I asked you, which one of these two players has, is more likely to come alive and keep the 76ers afloat in Embiid's absence, would it be... Tobias Harris or Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, probably Tobias Harris because T- Tobias Harris is like the third best player on the team, and Kelly Oubre Jr. this season missed time because he was high and got into an accident on his bicycle. Are we gonna get a lot of more Mo, Mo Bamba? <laughs> no. You see the backup center? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he's like the eleventh man on the roster. Mo Bamba is like. He, like, hangs around in the league just on whatever team, you know, goes goes ahead and picks him up. For as far as I can tell, no reason. Like, is the guy just a great locker room guy or something? 
Why has he been on like six NBA teams and doesn't play for any of them? I don't, I don't know. My hope the, is that... you have the stats up in front of you? Do you know how many minutes a game Mobamba plays? 9.9. That's way more than I would have thought. <laughs> yeah. I hope Maury makes like some kind of trade and they end up like to get another scoring piece that's not like a big like a big guy size wise and they just go full like that Rockets here where like PJ Tucker was playing center. <laughs> <laughs> At that point I kinda hope Mobamba plays like thirty eight minutes a night. <laughs> just go get like one of the Bogdanoviches as like a three point shooter, maybe mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant and just go like Small ball one through four, and then Mo Bamba just in the middle, having no clue what's going on. Or it's like, Mo, come out here. All you do is set screens for Maxi. <laughs> That's all you do. <laughs> you never touch the ball, and you set string- screen- screens for Maxi. <laughs> I kind of love it. <laughs> I mean, it probably definitely won't work. I, like, Tyrese Maxi is a great scorer and everything, but, like, I don't think that would definitely work, but it'd be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Like, how exhausted would Mo Bamba be after playing 20 minutes in a night? Oh man, I know if you can do it. It's been so long. <laughs> All right, the other the other major injury, Zach Levine done for the season. Gets foot surgery. Well, uh, I mean, he missed some games leading up to that, but he's he's done for the year. $43 million cap hit next season, yeah. by the way. Talk about the Tobias Harris of the Eastern Conference. Yeah. And Mike, when do you believe is the last time that Zach Levine played at least 65 games. Four years ago. Joke's on you. It was last season. But he's only done it twice oh. since coming to Chicago. Okay. How cold and poignant do you think the daggers were that Mark Eversley, the GM of the Bulls, was staring at Levine with? He's like, we're already struggling to try to trade you. And now this shit? You kidding me, Zachary? I also love that Zach Levine was like, I want to go to a better situation. Bud, come on. <laughs> like, you're a $43 million contract. All you can do is score, and now you're, you're like, out for another season? What are yeah. we doing here, man? Maybe you just, it? like, take whatever buyout money they'll give you and, I don't know, go sign with, the, the like, expansion team in Vegas in two years or something. I don't know why I think it'd be hilarious if you ended up on the Suns. <laughs> Suns just go and double down on their strengths and double up. Is that the opposite of doubling down? Folding yeah. on their weaknesses? Like Levine just waving off Booker and then waving off Durant back to back? <laughs> waving off Beal? Well, I guess <laughs> there, there's cosmically no way that Bradley Beal and uh, uh, Zach Levine could be healthy at the same time, right? Like That's... Yeah. That's got to be like a law of the universe. Beal would be sitting on the sidelines with like his foot in a boot and Levine would still wave him off. <laughs> He'll be like, I'm, I'm not coming in. You don't have to worry. And he just keep waving him off as he chucks up like a 45 foot three. <laughs> I like the idea that like Matt Ishbia is sitting in his fucking like penthouse office somewhere, just tapping a pin on a desk. And then like a light bulb moment turns on and he picks up the phone and calls the Suns GM, who no one knows who it is, and goes, we need more scoring. Sign Levine. <laughs> it would be, uh, it'd be great. So how do you think these guys really affect the trade deadline? I know you mentioned that you would love if the Sixers went just all in on going 2016 Rockets, small ball, 
with Tyrese Maxey in the James Harden role and Mo Bamba in the PJ Tucker role. Mm-hmm. Do you? Th- but I want to know how this affects the trade deadline as a whole. Do we see Philly buy something? Uh, Daryl Morey once said that if your team has a five percent chance of winning the NBA title, you owe it to yourself to go all in for it. And then the other thing is, are we actually going to see Chicago make some moves now? They had they had been heating up a little bit. Kobe White's been playing really well, but now Zach Levine's done for the year. DeMar DeRozan's probably in his late 40s. Uh, Alex Caruso is, you know, a white guy who plays hard nodes his defense, so you could definitely get 11 or 13 second round picks for him. Do we see them sell everything that isn't Kobe White? Yeah, I don't... If I'm the Bulls, I'm a total seller. Even if Levine was 100% healthy, I'm a seller. They, they, they were getting, you know, they, they had like a good run in there for a minute. I don't th- think that anyone was kidding themselves into believing the Bulls were a finals contender, but they were a play-in contender in a very, very, very weak Eastern Conference. Yeah, you don't make moves to lock down a spot as a play-in team. Maybe you don't, but for some reason NBA GM sure <laughs> as shit do. You shouldn't. You make moves to benefit your roster in the future. And if you happen to somehow slide into the play-in, cool. A little momentum boost for the boys. <laughs> but the, it, is, uh, it is in no way worth it. It's the Ben Solak theory of coaching. A, coach's, a coach and a GM's number one job is to keep their job. Their yeah. number two job is to win games. Yes. So I think that Chicago ends up not selling and maybe even picks up someone on the margins because it keeps everyone employed if they make the play-in. I'd be inclined to agree. I was saying this on the 76ers side of things. I feel like this makes them more of a buyer, obviously, with the Embiid injury. I just don't know without looking into it, which I didn't. Um, like draft pick wise, I don't know what kind of assets they have to make them to get someone of like real value. I mean, Tobias Harris for LeBron James, salaries work. Nah, Rich, uh, Rich Paul came out and was like, LeBron's not getting traded. We're not asking get, to get traded. Everybody stop. I like how everyone has to like get on their knees to make sure LeBron's dick never touches the ground whenever he does anything. Like mm-hmm. He goes out there after that loss and tweets out the hourglass emoji. Yeah. And then Darvin Ham is like on his knees begging to not lose his job, just being like, if I was him, I would have tweeted out three hourglass emojis. <laughs> Way to be a fucking adult and a leader, Darvin. Come on, man. Have some fucking yeah. pride. One, I do love that LeBron is one of the people so powerful he can tweet any emoji and people will just run with it. Like he could tweet like a tree emoji and people would yeah. be dissecting it with all kinds of theories. Um, <laughs> just, and two, I love the idea that, that like LeBron tweets out like a burger emoji and people are uh-huh. like, burger, there's no ham on a burger. He wants ham gone. Yeah. <laughs> or... But the other part of it is that, I mean, that hourglass could have just been like, we got time. This is just going to take time to get together. Well, then they asked him about it in a press conference and he was like, I'm not talking about it. (laughs) I just like hourglasses. I find them interesting. (laughs) I have like 40 in my house. (laughs) (laughs) The man is like a media trained Elon Musk sometimes. Yeah. He really gets in his feelings and just goes out on Twitter and tweets about it, but he's... He's got, like, 
a PR specialist in his back pocket since he was 13 years old. So he's not out there just being like, what if I bought Twitter? And ruined it. What do you mean ruined it? The ads are great on there now. You log on and they're like, oh my God, look at this kitschy product that you could buy. I'm constantly blocking ads that are like, nice, you're fire, crypto investment strategy. Or there's one kept popping up where it was like, I've been a professional better for 15 years. I have the perfect formula. I was like, fuck off. You're an ad. You're a bot. Go away. I don't like you. <laughs> what were we talking about before we got off on the uh, LeBron James hourglass thing? How Levine and uh, MB oh, affected the trade Harris line as a whole. That was my thing. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Before Rich Paul had to assure everyone that, no, we are not going to trade the best player in NBA history. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. We all knew that. Right. <laughs> I get that. Is it just like the LA coaching cycle or the LA media cycle that you have to like comment on everything is it lebron james specifically like what was was the last thing you heard rich paul say before he had to come out and comment on lebron's hourglass tweet i don't i don't know it's a good question i don't think i've i can't remember the last time he had to come out and say something but playing for the lakers like the lakers are basically like the maple leafs or the oilers like Every little thing that is said or done is going to get overanalyzed, and you will have to answer to it in a press conference. I like how, I like how you reverse compared things. <laughs> You're like, yeah, the Lakers are like these much less famous things. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously in different worlds and different stratospheres <laughs> of the money the they Mona make. The Mona Lisa is a lot like this doodle I made on a kitchen napkin. <laughs> All right, you uh, you got any thoughts on on how this this shapes the the playoff race in the East? Sixers were the were were holding on to that upper three spot, but now they're gonna definitely fall down the standings to the Knicks and Cavs, who are nuclear hot. What do you yeah, think? There Is there are... two real contenders in the East? Is there three real contenders in the East? Four real contenders in the East? Five real contenders in the East? Six real contenders in the East. Ten. That's ridiculous. I see three. I see Boston, Milwaukee, and then the Knicks because I'm biased um, when the Knicks are healthy. Uh, Philadelphia without Embiid is not a contender. I just, for some reason, I refuse to buy into Cleveland. Like, I, I mean, maybe Only things the second will, hottest team in the NBA right now. Maybe things will work out and we can knock them out of the playoffs again. That'd be fun. Um, you know, who knows? Something to look uh, forward yeah, to. I know. You, we really need... We really need a different team to take the three spot so we can get a Knicks-Cavs 4-5 or five and get that series again. Yeah. Because otherwise, we're it, I think it's like the the semifinals before we would be able to get it right now. And that's assuming everything kind of breaks right. But Knicks-Cavs last year was like a whole thing, and I'd love to get it again. Well, no, they're 3-4. They're so, like, let's say one through four wins, and the four. Knicks would have to. Four would play one. Yeah, so the Knicks have to play Boston. They have to beat them, and the Cavs would have to beat Milwaukee. Yeah. And it would have to be an Eastern Conference final. Yeah, so it had to be the conference final. So we really need them to, to fall down and end up in the 4-5 spot. Yeah. And each Something chance like the that. Pacers are just going to be the three seed. I'd love it. <laughs> I would. Maybe Halliburton finally starts getting the MVP buzz he deserves for being the greatest point guard in the NBA. Better than Chris Paul? Yeah. I have to say so. 
hot take, but I I definitely have have to say that as a fact. All right, Mike, our final our final basketball se- segment today. Uh, segment I'm calling hot or not. Initially, I planned this as a game where we both come up with teams and decide if they're hot or not. In reality, I got six teams here that we'll go through, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about the hottest and the notest teams in the NBA. Mm. So kicking it off here. What was that noise? <laughs> you said naughtiest. It sounded like naughtiest. I mean, I could, I can go either way. I could go with the haughtiest and the naughtiest. Kind of like that. Okay. So this is haughtiest or naughtiest. First off, the Cavs, super fucking hot, thirteen mm-hmm. and two since the start of the year. Garland returned against Detroit in their last game, scored nineteen points in twenty minutes, and this is the first time since December fourteenth that the Cavs have had their presumptive starting five on uh, on the f- court at the same time with Mobley, Garland, Allen, uh, I, fucking Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. So, kind of a big day for that, you know? Cavs on the way back despite winning constantly without Garland or Mobley healthy. What do you think? You think this is a trade deadline team? You think we see them make a move there, Mike? Pretty wild because we could now. Like, it's such a 180 for how their season started, where it was like, ah, they're just snake bitten with injuries, can't get all their guys together. There's the Mitchell buzz about him wanting out and getting traded. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, they're getting healthy, they're winning, everything's fine. <laughs> Here we go. Like, it's total 180. Yeah, it really does kind of feed into the adage that winning solves everything. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is win games and suddenly there's no trade talks there's no talk about discontent in the locker room no one's demanding out and for the Cavs sake for the Cavs record they sure as fuck are winning games you think Mitchell's still gone by this time next year by this time next year I don't know when is his contract up I think he's he has one year left after you know, this sure are you just speculating I think I know it for 100% certain D he's got Two years left, one of which is a player option. Okay. So, so basically he has, one year. he has one guaranteed one player option. And then yeah. if he takes up the player option, he'll be an unrestricted free agent at 30. Yeah, because that was like a point we were – something we were pointing out when we talked about potential uh, Mitchell trades. It was like if you're not Brooklyn or New York, how much do you give up for a guy who after like a year can opt out because he wants to go to Brooklyn or New York? Yeah. I mean that buzz has really quieted. Yeah. But like I was just saying, part of the reason it seems to be quieting is because the team's winning. Yeah. And how much does the team have to win to keep Mitchell on the roster? The guy has obviously wants to play in New York. Like, we're all just kind of biding time before we get the Zion Williamson, Donovan Mitchell, New York Knicks, right? <laughs> if you said that like two years ago, like the Zion part of it. I'd be so over the moon about the possibility. And now I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. I think if they get bounced in the first round again, the Mitchell wants out uh, trade coming buzz is going to heat way back up. Yeah, I think if, I think if they get bounced in the first round, Bickerstaff also loses his job. Let me ask you this about the potential of Zion coming to New York. There's not a lot of good food in New York, right? We don't have to worry about that. Like maybe he'd get in good shape. <sighs> I don't think so. It's gonna oh, he's, he's gonna be hammering slices. <laughs> I got out of the league and started hammering slices. He got out of the New Orleans and just started hammering slices. Like it would that, not be a pretty sight. I like that 
it's still somehow probably a healthier city to live in food wise, just because New Orleans is gotta be like up there with like Atlanta as unhealthiest food cities in the United States. Yeah. Imagine if somehow Zion ended up in Miami. <laughs> like heat culture, Jimmy Butler just waking his ass up at six o'clock to <laughs> yeah. go do wind sprints. He he looked like the rock. Yeah. <laughs> What would be the what would be the best city for Zion to end up in? Just to like save him from himself. Oh yeah, Miami has a wild party scene, so that yeah. could be bad. He Minnesota? might have to, Maybe. He might have to go like Denver, Utah. Indianapolis. <laughs> Indy. Yeah. Utah's probably the right answer. Right. Because they don't even have liquor in that state, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like half the state has are like dry counties. <laughs> It's like when uh, in in Parks and Rec, when Chris Pratt got like into super good shape, and they because he was in that movie about Benghazi or something, yeah, and <laughs> they on the show dismissed it by going, "What what happened to you? Why are you in such good shape?" And he goes, "Oh, I stopped drinking beer." Yeah, like you get Zion into Utah, and suddenly he's gonna look like prime James Harrison. Yeah, it would be Zion. What happened? And he's like, oh, I moved to Salt Lake City. <laughs> I stopped hammering po' boys. <laughs> yeah. There's no OnlyFans models here. Yeah. It's all just Mormon wasps. Anyways, we're not talking about the Pelicans or Zion yeah. Williamson. We were talking about the Cavs, who are super hot. But let's talk about a team that's super not that we kind of mentioned in passing there. The mm-hmm. Miami Heat. 7-10 and 10 since the start of the year. 7th in the East. Since uh, training for Terry Rozier, he has 10.8 points a game on 30, 25, 100 shooting splits. He's shooting 30% from the field and 25% from three. Not great. Not very scary. In fact, it's very unscary if you're the other team. Yeah. Jame Jaquez has been hurt, and the team is the worst shooting team in the NBA right now. Uh, narrowly, narrowly behind the Magic, who they currently are tied with in the standings. Mike, what's the solution here? Trade Jimmy? Maybe send him to China or the moon? We can send him to the moon. We have the technology. <laughs> we do. I think we could. We should just put him on one of those like Mars rovers. Any chance, like, robots. any chance we can go back in time and put him on the Challenger? <laughs> um... Do I Dan- leave that in the final cut? I don't know. <laughs> Dan Quinn and Jimmy Butler just both in the top of your shit list. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Butler, obviously a a legacy shit list guy for you, and Dan Quinn a a newcomer, a yeah. rookie to the shit list. Um, well, first I should thank the Heat for being like one of my few NBA like preseason priors when we did the preview podcast that is actually coming to fruition because I said they were going to have a down year. I don't think, even after they traded for Rogier, I was like, that doesn't really do much for me. Well, they turned Kyle Lowry into Terry Rogier, which is definitely a bonus, but mm-hmm. it has uh, not exactly saved the season. The Dante Sabonis? DeMontis Sabonis? Oh, I like Dante better. That'd be Who cool the fuck is Dante Sabonis? <laughs> it's, uh, it's him. His, bla- his black half-brother. I was going to say it's him, but just wearing an anime wig. I think we do. Kind of like Jimmy Butler's hairstyle in his oh, yeah, the, picture. The, the, in that, that the preseason press conference yeah. he was doing, emo Jimmy Butler. 
Yeah, My Chemical Romance. Does Jimmy Butler low key just love attention? I'm not okay. <laughs> I don't. He, yeah. He, I mean, he's always like as much as you could say he culture. He's a hard worker. Like even in Minnesota, he was causing all that shit. He likes the headlines. Yeah, he's like LeBron James, but without all the natural gifts and basketball success. Yeah, I think I think he's on track to lose in as many finals though. Wow. If you can get back to one. Yeah, probably not happen this year. I mean, that's that's kind of the scary thing about the Heat that people like to talk about, where they're like, it doesn't matter what their record is as long as they make the playoffs. Last season, they were down in the fourth quarter of the play-in game against the Bulls and somehow ended up in the NBA Finals. Yeah. It's a team that got hot. It was weird. It defied logic. It was obnoxious to hear about all like the no name bench players that all of a sudden started playing good. Like, yeah, that that Vince guy who's now in L.A. and about to get traded. Gabe again. Vincent, yeah. Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent, who's done nothing in L.A. Yeah. Um, culture, baby. He culture. That's why. That's why Tyler Hero and uh, Duncan Robinson are always good and not streaky. It's heat culture. If, if you're a Heat fan, after the Rozier trade went down, where you just kind of like, oh, that's the trade fuck that one that one kind of felt like when you're on a a cold street gambling and you just can't hit anything so you just bet a money line at minus 1200 just to get a win in the books yeah like miami missed out on every major trade they were supposed to be in play for and then we're just like uh yeah we'll take terry rozier because we we just need to make a trade that actually ends that doesn't just go on forever before dame lillard gets traded to milwaukee yeah we really needed to to win one. What do you think? If the Heat make the play-in, are they a scary team again, or are you not worried about the Heat this year? I'm not worried about the Heat this year. Can't wait for them to sweep the Knicks. How dare you say that? Don't worry, I'm not actually rooting for that. In my I, uh, I said it out loud, and then I was like, I would be just as miserable as you if the Heat swept the Knicks. Yeah, if it makes you feel better, Jimmy Butler's also on my shit list for that series last year. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, man. If we can get him onto Mars somehow... It won't be our problem anymore. Next up, another super hot team in the East there, Mike. The New York Knicks of New York. 15-3 and three since training for OG Ananobi, including a nine-game yep. win streak that ended yesterday in L.A. Uh, yep. In a game without OG, Randall, or Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, Sitting and there was a... Oh, I'm sorry. Games. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, and them getting to nine was impressive because the last couple of games there... Us two or three, they were w- without those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth in the East. Uh, OG, day-to-day. Julius Randle out two to three weeks with that shoulder injury. Mitch mm-hmm. Robinson probably back by the end of the season. This is a team that has the ability to make another move. They, first off, retained all of their first-round picks, of which they do have an abundance in the OG trade. And they have the Fournier contract, which is... Very fittable into trades, as well as Malachi Flynn, who's another guy that they picked up in the OG trade, who his contract's malleable. It works in other other trades. It works in, you know, get getting things into the right range for a $20 million player. Yeah, you sent me that, like, trade idea of, like, Fournier Grimes and maybe something else to get Malcolm Brogdon. 
Yeah, I think that was from a Zach Cram article or something. I don't remember where that was from, but yeah. And at first, I thought it was legit. I was like, I was like, okay, I can, <laughs> I can dig it. Um, and then I realized, like the next day, when I saw headlines that were like, but like, Brogdon rumors. I was like, oh, that wasn't real. <laughs> That's a, a bummer. But I don't know, man. The Knicks have just gotten like the way Divincenzo has been playing lately especially with his minutes going up, some of the guys who are out has been a very welcome sight compared to what I felt like we were getting, getting from him for a good stretch of the season. Um, OG just unlocked something in this team. So hopefully when he gets healthy, we'll get, I mean, I can't say we'll get back on track, but we'll, you know, be get LA rolling next time. Yeah. Try to get, actually get to double digits on the next win streak and just meet Jalen Brunson, man. Fucking Jalen Brunson, man. Fucking Jalen Brunson, dude. Is Jalen Brunson the most overstar on the Knicks since Carmelo Anthony? I think so. Like, there was that one season we finally got back to the playoffs when Brandle went ballistic. And then he got paid. <laughs> and it changed a little bit. But, yeah, he's, like, the most, like, loved guy in New York right now. We can't... The thing about the Robinson injury is it's a little frustrating for me because I've been, the last season or two, I've been like, maybe we should trade Mitchell Robinson. I know he's really good, like, especially defensively, but this dude gets injured a lot. Maybe we should trade Mitchell Robinson. <laughs> and they haven't done it. And now we can't because he's hurt. Well, that's the thing. Like, the Knicks pretty firmly are going to be probably the three or the four seed. Mm -hmm. If you can just get there and Mitchell Robinson can come back fully healthy, that's more valuable than any trade acquisition you can make. Yeah. I so, did, uh, I threw together another potential Malcolm Brogdon trade. Mm -hmm. You know, the more I think about it, the more I think that the Knicks could probably use another big man with Mitch Robinson out. Like, even someone who's temporary, someone who's mm -hmm. just in the building as a backup center behind Hartenstein until Mitch Robinson comes back. But... There is there is Malcolm Brogdon to New York buzz. You know, just having a guy off the bench who can really run the offense. You can even bump DiVincenzo to the two, have mm -hmm. him play a little bit more off ball. Uh, here's here's my Malcolm Brogdon trade. Malachi okay. Flynn plus Evan Fortier. The contracts work, and then you can just throw however many picks you need to get it done. Keep Grimes. That's, yeah, keep Grimes. The Knicks aren't losing shit in that trade. No, not at all. You big, unless you're a big Malachi Flynn guy. I know we've talked about him. You big Malachi Flynn guy? I'm not a big Malachi Flynn guy. Okay. You know what guy I am pretty big on? Who? I'm an Isaiah Hartenstein guy. Dude. He's he's another guy getting getting way the hell over. Since the Robinson injury, yeah. it's like, oh, wait. There was just another all-NBA caliber defensive center playing behind Mitchell Robinson? Yeah, and like, none of I, us knew this? I really like like I really like Hartenstein. He has, every game, he has like a couple plays, and they're just kind of like, it kind of like, you know, like Marcus Smat hustle plays. Yeah. <laughs> it does, does the dirty work. I'm like, let's fucking go. But a real quick note about the Lakers game last night at end of the streak is there was a moment, it was either late third or early fourth, where there was a sequence where I want to say it was DiVincenzo. I can get the players wrong in the situation, so I apologize. But someone went up for a layup. Davis packs that. There's a rebound. And it may have went to like Brunson, Brunson or someone, and they just try to throw up a quick jumper. And Davis just like turns, moves back over to the other side of the basket, and just packs that shit, <laughs> blocks it. And 
like all the Lakers fans went nuts in Madison Square Garden, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm afraid uh, we're not getting to double digits, boys." Yeah. <laughs> that that definitely did it. It was fucking wild. When AD puts an effort, my God, is that man something else? He has been one of the best players in the NBA this season. Yeah, like no no modifiers needed for in the West, big man. Whatever. He's just been one of the best players in the NBA this season. Yeah. All right, so we have I have three other teams on here, but we're running short on time. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to pick one, the one that I, I want to talk about the most here. And we'll, we'll burn through this, and then we got to take a break, talk some hockey. The Dallas Mavericks, not hot. They're naughty. <laughs> Seven and nine since the start of the year. Kyrie hasn't played since uh, January 22nd, and has only played 27 of 44 games. Mm-hmm. Luka now leads the league for a single game score this season with that 73 point game. And it's the most points since Kobe's 81 point game. But there's just nothing else around him. I mean, he's, he's kind of like in that, that like LeBron on the Cavs era, like mm-hmm. even second run Cavs after they won the championship. And it was just like old J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert hanging around with him where he's turned Tim Hardaway Jr. and Derek Jones into like viable top seven players just because he's really fucking good at basketball. But with Kyrie out, the second best player on the team might be Derek Lively. And that's not great. Like I'm I love Derek Lively. I fucking love Derek Lively. But he's not good enough to be the second best player on a championship team. Maybe he never will, but he's definitely not right now. They have this horrible Grant Williams signing that it looks like now. I mean, it's only twelve million a year for four years. But he's averaging 8.1, three and a half rebounds, and one and a half assists. Like, that's fucking 10th man numbers that you're paying $12 million to. I, and I, at, like, at its core, I don't know what you do with this roster, man. Like, uh, do you just trust that when Kyrie comes back, that everything clicks into place because you have two great ball handlers, great court vision guys, and you're just hoping you can boat race people? Or are you thinking you have to make some kind of big splashy trade and get more scoring in the building with Jeremy Grant or more defense in the building or a big man who isn't Derek Lively or just something, right? Just maybe you get Malcolm Brogdon, but like you want guys on the court with Luka who don't need to dribble the ball. Like I I really don't know what to do with this team. I just think the roster has been so mismanaged around Luka. Yeah, this is one of my priors that started out in the year looking really good, and then it just went downhill ever since then. Like I said, I think last week when we talked about the 73-point game, where I was like, not like awesome, but not a great sign that you barely won that game. <laughs> and Lucas scored 50% of your points. Well, obviously, if you score 73, you're probably going to score pretty Probably going to score 50%, 50% of a team's points. But <clears throat> every year, somehow, like even with the Kyrie trade, when that happened, Every year, or was it a trade, or did he get bought out and they signed him? Trade. Trade, okay. Every year, it still just boils down to, fuck, Lukic, or uh, Lukic. I shoved him together. Doncic just has to, like, carry this team. It's yeah. all him. Like, the dude's not quite there right now, but there's, like, a chance he's going to end up averaging, like, a triple-double. <laughs> Which three... is obviously very important. That means he has to win MVP, right? <laughs> right. Fucking stupid. Um. 34.8 points, 8.6 boards, and 9.6 assists. Now, he's doing it on 48.9% shooting from the field and 
almost 38% from three. And I bet you, if you went back, those are better than what Westbrook was shooting. His triple double year. <laughs> I feel like I can almost guarantee it. And but, he doesn't have Steven Adams boxing out his own team so that yeah. he can get rebounds. <laughs> exactly. It's not a good situation when Tim Hardaway Jr. now has to be your like second scoring option. Yeah. And luckily, you got Luka Doncic. So in that 73-point game, Atlanta's doubling him, and he's just driving and kicking out to Tim Hardaway, who's sinking threes. Yeah. But still, it's not like a guy that can create on his own. It's not like Tim Hardaway is a top 10 wing defender either. Again, they're they're really relying on uh, rickety scaffolding around Luka Doncic. By the way, real quick, let me bring something else up. You mm-hmm. see last night, Steph scored 60 in a loss. Yeah. That means that now three of the games three out of five of the games this season with at least 60 points have been in losses sometimes needing a guy to put up 60 plus isn't a great sign for your overall team construction has atlanta been involved in two or three of those games i can't remember i think just two but the moral of the story is bet overs against the atlanta hawks yeah and then it makes you wonder Back to the Mavs thing, like Luca drags his team into the playoffs. Like, how much is left in the gas tank at that point? Yeah, he's he's not exactly Nate McKinnon. I mean, the guy's not spending his entire off season just injecting kale into his veins and running uphill. Exactly. He he's getting by off of being one of the smartest players in the league, not off of being the most athletic player in the league. Like I, not to go back to him for a quick second, just to make my point. Like watching the Knicks game last night, I was like, damn, with the players we have out, it's frustrating because the Lakers are just smothering Brunson, you know, when he's trying to in- initiate the offense. And, you know, it's just like that right now because of our injuries. Dallas Maverick fans have to deal with that every fucking game. <laughs> Can you imagine if Dallas had just re signed Brunson for what he was worth? Oh, man. Sliding doors moment, my friend. Sliding doors moment. All right, Mike, you got any other thoughts on the Mavs? Any A teams you want to throw out there real quick that have been hot or not? I can think of. I mean, Brooklyn's now outside of the play-in because they suck because it's Brooklyn. Yeah, they probably should be another team selling at the trade deadline. But we'll get to trade deadline talk down the road a little bit here. Mm -hmm. All right, Mike, you want to take a break, come back, and we'll talk some hockey? You can do it, bud. All right, we're back. Time to cover the National Hockey League, America's favorite hockey league. Mike, this last weekend, excluding today, we had the All-Star Weekend for the NHL. The much-lauded, looked-forward-to, celebrated moment in hockey when uh, no one really tries. And everyone talks in platitudes, but that's just hockey for you. So this year, kind of mixed shit up a little bit. First off, we went back to the draft format for the first time since 2015 for the All-Star Game. Four teams, Team Hughes, Team McDavid, Team Matthews, and who am I missing there? Team McKinnon. Mm -hmm. Actually sat down and draft. It had some weird rules. Didn't work out great. Maybe just NHL. These are adult men who are making millions of dollars. It's cool if some of them get their feelings hurt because they're the last kid picked. All right? But really... What I want to talk about, the meat of what I think we should spend some time talking about here. The skills competition kind of worked. Kind of worked, Mike. 
it was unnecessarily complicated, just like the draft. <laughs> just like every time the NHL changes up something they do, they galaxy brain it and make it unnecessarily complicated. But there's aspects of it where you're like, hmm, kind of worked. You gotta, it was a, definitely got to fine tune it. It was a weird mix between overproduced and in some areas underproduced. Mm-hmm. Like in the individual events themselves, there were some events that only had five people participating in them. So everyone who participated in that event got at least one point because the, the way the points finished worked is that it went in reverse order from first to fifth where you got five points for first and then descending down to one point at fifth. But then there were some competitions where like eight people played and still only the top five got points. Mm-hmm. So maybe even it out NHL, maybe like don't let the guys pick their competitions. You just choose them. But Hey, you know, I'm not as smart as people like Bill Daly. I definitely would cut the field down and then just everybody has to do every competition <laughs> yeah um i think that a great moment that summarizes this whole event is the the event opens with fastest skater and the first skater to go is willie nylander and immediately the timer breaks <laughs> <laughs> willie nylander goes out on his first rep finishes and the timer just doesn't stop so they had to go to, like, video review, which they did video review more than once on things. They had video review also in the one-timers competition to decide that actually McKinnon won and not Pasternak. Yeah. They overturned a result on video, which I guess there's a million dollars on the line, so sure. But, like, you're you're actually doing video challenges for the All-Star game, guys? We're really doing this? Come on. Come on, hockey. What are we doing here? Uh, another small win for it. They had these little bubble hockey explainers that showed you how the different events worked mm-hmm. that were really well done. And they, they did a great job of explaining what the event was going to be like, what it was going to look like. And they did it in a way that was like, oh, this feels very much like you are correctly playing to your audience. Like, you know, the little bubble hockey game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were doing that with the explainers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's actually get into the the events themselves. So, in case people out there don't know, the way that this basically worked was that during the offseason, Bill Daly and some of the other top-of-the-league guys came to Connor McDavid and were like, how can we make the skills competition work? How can we make people care? And McDavid's first thing was like, million dollars, winner take all, which was genius, and I don't know why people don't hadn't already considered that, because that made people fucking care. Second... They turned it in to a competition that involved the overall structure of what used to just be individual events at the skills competition. And we didn't have any dumb, kitschy, oh, it's Toronto, so we have to do this Toronto-specific thing like they do at all the other events. So I would say, in that sense, marketed success over previous years. There was no dumb, hey, you got to try to get blackjacked by shooting a puck at cards. Right. So we go into it. First event, McDavid smokes competition, fastest skater. So immediately it's like, all right, this guy told everyone that the winner of the skills competition should get a million bucks and then showed up to fucking kill everyone. <laughs> Great. There, this, this event really drew out how much of a gulf there is between McDavid and the second best player in the NHL. I could watch the McDavid fastest skater lap on repeat all day. It's fucking yeah. beautiful. <laughs> I watch that man skate all day around the ring. I think he cleared the competition by like four or five seconds on it. I mean, he yeah. was, it's like this, this event really, it, like I said, it really shows like 
All right, McDavid is clearly the number one in this sport, and I'm not sure how close the number two is. In a way that I don't think we've had in any of the major North American professional sports in a while. Like, I think you have to go back to, like, 2009 LeBron for such a clear number one versus number two distinction like we have in hockey right now. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. I feel like there's never one in football. No, because there's there's way too many positions. You can make yeah. the argument. Like, who was better this year? Patrick Mahomes or Miles Garrett? Right. And those are tough things to, like, compare. Because yeah, they're exactly. so different. And then even when it's two players who are, like, the same, you can break it down and make a thousand arguments for who you think is better than the other one. So Yeah. Uh, so, follow that up with the one-timer competition. This okay. kind of felt like a Pro Bowl contest. I can't really explain how it felt like that. It just did. Like, the new Pro Bowl where they got a bunch of dumb events in it. Like, I don't know if you saw it. They did a thing at the Pro Bowl where it was just players catching as many passes as they can without dropping a ball. Mm-hmm. But they had to hold the ball that they caught previously. And it was a contest for who could catch the most before they dropped a ball. And so, by the end, it was, like, dudes holding, like, nine footballs. This was my least favorite competition. I thought this was fucking lame. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel cool because it was like, like, you know, in the Mighty Ducks, when he's trying to help them, like, learn how to, like, you know, soft passes and they're, like, passing the egg back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what we got here. The passes were, like, so soft. Like, they, it wasn't, and, like, you know, like in a game. Like, yeah, where it know. flies across the ice. Exactly. And then for the first two guys, I think it was – it might have been Pasternak and McKinnon. I'd have to go back and check. Maybe maybe Nylander and McKinnon. But they were just shooting wristers anyways when the puck got to them. Mm-hmm. And then someone must have gotten their ear because by the third guy, they were like, you have to slap shot it. This has yeah. to be a one-timer. Because right. after that, the, the wristers were obviously the move because McKinnon wins the event after just taking wristers. And then but after McKinnon, everyone was like actually taking like one-timer slappers. Yeah. Um, this also started the Kucherov villain turn. <laughs> I fucking <laughs> love him. Kucherov, like, fucked up, like, two shots, realized he wasn't going to win the event, decided there was no chance he was going to win the million dollars, and just phoned it in. <laughs> we called it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fucking Nostradamus of how much Kucherov's going to care about this. Yeah, I fucking do it. And then I, I didn't get to watch this live, so I had to catch up, and, like, I watched a re- like, not the full replay. Shout out to like the NHL YouTube page who condensed everything into like a ten minute video. Um, and obviously, like after it happened, I like went through Twitter and was you know seeing all the stuff people were saying in the highlights at the time, and just the cooch thing just made me smile like ear to ear. I was I loved it so much. Well, yeah. Let's, so let's let's talk about the real the real cooch villain mm-hmm. moment, which is the passing contest. Yeah. Um, first off. Great job, NHL. Nate McKinnon goes first on this contest. Has no idea how it works. They have to call him back and start the contest over. That was that one was weird. Yeah, yeah that that one that that was like overthought. Mm-hmm. You, you guys are doing too much. Do less. But this is where, really, Kucherov comes out. He's not trying at all here. He's just like picking up the puck and like generally flinging it at one yeah. side of the ice or the other. I think that he ran out of time. Like, he didn't even finish passing no. the clock hit zero. <laughs> the Toronto crowd's booing him. Fucking great content, Cooch. 
This guy's just oh. living the gimmick. The only thing better would be if he came out for it and he just did the whole thing like one-handed while he had a Bud Light in the other hand. <laughs> I've never seen a man less concerned with the potential of winning a million dollars. Yeah. I don't know how much that is in Ruples, so I don't know if it, like, it's going to help him when he goes back to his homeland, but <laughs> it's uh, just in that moment, we were all Kucherov. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the one time that you could have outperformed a professional athlete at the thing they were doing. Yeah. Um, Sad thing is we probably couldn't still. <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, Pedersen ends up winning this one, I believe, but they had to like review it to see how he did. Or something. JT Miller was fucking terrible at this because big surprise, JT Miller, not a great passer. Next up, hardest shot. McCarr wins. Not much to say there. You just hit the puck fucking hard, and of course a defenseman's going to win. Fuck yeah. It's the uh, only event a defenseman won there, Mike. It's a great take that a defenseman was going to win. Neither McCarr? one of us took. Neither one of us took McDavid, by the way. Yeah, how about your dry sidle pick? He did real <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah, he did, <laughs> he did real well, bud. Meanwhile, McCarr finished second. Didn't win. It went, but it wasn't a surprise. It was like, oh, the competition came down to like, honestly, the two best players in the hockey league. Yeah, like the best player at their individual, like best forward and best defender in all hockey. Yeah. Makes sense. Also, in this one, this is the first time we got the announcers being confused on how many players were going to be in the event because <laughs> they did like six, and they were like, "All right, so we'll be- oh wait, there's another, there's, <laughs> there's two more shoot. Oh, there's two more shooters. Okay." Doug Gilmore is storming the ice. He wants in. <laughs> um, after that, we had stick handling. Uh, yeah, of course, McDavid wins this one. Come yeah. on. What, what are we doing? Uh, this is th- this was Cooch's final event. Mm-hmm. He just like, there was a point in this where he was just skating backwards. Mm-hmm. Just kind of coasting the puck along with him. Just, oh man, great content. It was also, we started seeing some people getting real competitive. Elias Pettersson wipes out and takes out a picture of himself like a sign of himself (laughs) in the process i think this competition would have been better if while you're doing it you like have to keep your head up because they're just like sending like goons at you to try to fucking level you (laughs) and you gotta like dodge them that'd be way Uh, more fun or if they put a jugs machine and we're just firing footballs at you yeah like tom wilson was on the all-star roster like, just get him out there and be like, all right, go try to do what you do most of the time and, like, put an elbow into that guy. Dude, P.K. Subban was hosting. Get those, right. get him and Pat. Just be like, all right, go hit go hit low. Yep. Guy's um, got his head down, shoulder right into his face. So after that, that, that was the final event. We had the, the mm-hmm. six players move on to the 1v1. The 1v1 was the highlight of All-Star Weekend, but we'll get to that in a second. I yeah. realized something. Between this, they did an interview with some of the goalies. Like, they were talking to some of the goalies that were going to go out there and get drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Swayman might just be Goody from Shorzy. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hear him talking. They look the same and talk the same. <laughs> Do we know? Are we sure that that's not Jeremy Swayman playing that guy in that show? It could be. I, I honestly, off the top of my head, don't know what Jeremy Swayman looks like. <laughs> he looks like Goody from Shorzy. <laughs> did he say settle down? <laughs> Talk oh, about uh, chicken. I uh, yeah, you talked about chicken. I uh, I skipped this. They we had the the accuracy the where you have to shoot the oh, corners, yeah. which McDavid once again wins. He goes four for four. Um, sponsored by Cheetos, which I thought was funny. Yeah, the the targets were all Cheeto colored. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was one of the this was the second biggest oof moment of the night, where Dracidal just could not. <laughs> 
hit the last two targets. It was like to the point where I was like, throw in the towel. <laughs> He's already dead. Towel. Yeah. Rest in peace, Carl Weathers. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's so sad. I saw that. Yeah. You got a stew going, baby. I spent New Year's <laughs> with him one time. Yeah. There you go. Man, that's a deep cut one of your songs. Um, what's your What's your Carl's we- Carl Weathers memory now? Like, you think Carl Weathers, what do you picture? You know what? Unfortunately, not unfortunate, but it's funny that probably the last thing I watched that he was in was Arrested Development. Yeah, <laughs> I, I picture him in Arrested Development. He's, he's uh, Tobias' acting coach. <laughs> the guy's going to throw... bones. Yeah, they're, they're going to the bones. He's like, whoa. He's like, get some potatoes, boil some water, throw in there. You guys still have a stew going, baby. <laughs> so, fucking Apollo Creed, and I'm like, yeah, that's the, the guy who taught David Cross how to act. Yeah. <laughs> so now we go into the one-on-one which is awesome because first off right away i can't remember who it was it might have been mm, matt barzell or something i can't remember off the top of my head who was going against him first pick off the board because the way it worked is that they went in reverse standings order yeah. for and whoever was like the lowest player mm-hmm. to make it into the next round got to draft the goalie they went against in the one-on-one first this was fucked up and right off <laughs> First draft pick, Cam Talbot. (laughs) And he said something like, oh, you know, he was just standing across from me, so I just looked across there and went ahead and picked him. No real thoughts on it. Come on, man. Talbot. It's it's because Cam Talbot's been colder than ice the last few months. And Talbot also said, like, yeah, you know, it's probably pretty smart picking the (laughs) (laughs) 36-year-old. And by the way, then he got fucking cooked. Oh, Talbot's back. no, Talbot got cooked. Oh, he did? Okay. Talbot Talbot got roasted over an open flame in the 1v1. I mean, he was it was he was going five hole, going glove side, just crushed Cam Talbot's spirit in the 1v1. Yeah, the uh, the Talbot is in bad need of a reboot. <laughs> <laughs> then um so I was at the gym during the 1v1 in the obstacle course. Mm-hmm. So my notes weren't as in-depth as some of my other stuff. But we get to the end and it's McKinnon, and he has two potential goalies left. And it's, oh, man, it might be Shosturkin or Georgiev. But it was he, Georgiev. But Georgiev was, no, so this is McKinnon, second to last guy to go. And he has two options at goalie. And it's Georgiev, and it might be Shosturkin's the other guy. But, of course, McKinnon's not going to pick Georgiev. He's not going to pick his own teammate to try to shoot on. So he right. goes with Shosturkin. And so I'm sitting there going, how the fuck did we end up with Gorgiev versus McDavid? You guys yeah. could have picked anyone off the fucking list, and we somehow ended up with Gorgiev against McDavid. Like, Gorgiev and Cam Talbot have to be, like, the lowest tier of the goalies that made the uh-huh. All-Star game. And we ended up with one of those guys going up against McDavid. Well, joke's on me, because Gorgiev yeah. <laughs> smokes McDavid. Three poke checks. He fucking pokes the puck it. away from McDavid three times. And wins the hundred thousand dollars for getting nine nine saves. Yeah, I mean you gotta go if you're Georgiev and you're going up against McDavid, like it the the scales are very unbalanced. So if you're Georgiev, you just gotta say fuck it, be aggressive, going for the poke jack. <laughs> like I don't even like you gotta do it. I loved it. Yeah, the first time he does it, like I, I think that the general consensus was, ah, oh, that was cute, nice move, Georgiev. But then by the third time he did it, we're like. Maybe Gorgiev is the best goalie in the league. Maybe this is how yeah. this is this, like if maybe we're gonna get McDavid versus the Avs, Western Conference Final, and McDavid's just gonna get he's gonna have like one point in seven games. 
Georgiev's just out there snatching souls with a stick. You mean Georgiev is somehow the McDavid kryptonite? Yeah. We've all been waiting to figure out what it was. Mm-hmm. It turns out it's Gorkiev. So then we move on. Final competition. Obstacle course. Uh, this was the biggest oh no moment of the night, which is when Matt Barzell was so bad at shooting the pucks over the little the little yeah. divider into the three tiny goals that they had to bring out extra pucks. A contingency <laughs> I did not know they were prepared for. Halfway through it, they were probably scrambling to get more pucks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. We might need more pucks, guys. They just got the locker room guys scrounging through people's lockers trying to find a mm-hmm. couple extra pucks. Uh, Barzell ends up getting crushed in that event. Something that really, I think, stood out in this event was that guys actually wanted to win this because mm-hmm. both Kale McCarr and Austin Matthews. And so the obstacle course ends where you have to shoot a puck through a hole in like a wooden thing. Mm-hmm. to get it into the goal. And the, the timer stops once you shoot it into the goal. Both Matthews and Makar, to make up the time that they lost on the obstacle course compared to McDavid, shot from, like, the blue line. And Matthews made it. Matthews took, like, a crazy fucking long shot and made it to save, like, one and a half, two seconds, which was the first time in any of these skills competitions where I think you could legitimately say, yeah, you could tell these guys cared about winning. Because they're taking shots like that. I mean, outside of Kucherov, but because <laughs> they're taking shots like that. Yeah. But in the end, McDavid, three seconds clear of second place. Which, I don't know, man. There's some Tim Donahue stuff going on here. We really went to McDavid and went, how can we make the skills competition better? And he went, what if we give me a million dollars? He designed it. <laughs> I mean, it was, I like... I get it. He's the best player in the world because he's the fastest, best stick handling, most shot ability guy. Mm-hmm. But we really, like, we really, we really flew out to fucking Edmonton to be like, Connor, how would you like to have a million dollars in three months? Yeah, my, uh, my synopsis of the skills competition is fun, some, a very indiv- like innovative idea. A lot of it worked. Simplify it. Bring it back next year. And the only other point I really wanted to make out was the fact that this was in Toronto. I thought it was hilarious to see Matthews and Nylander lose again. <laughs> <laughs> so on to the All-Star game. And we'll be shorter on this because the All-Star game was less fun. Yeah. But open it up. McDavid against uh, McKinnon goes to a shootout. After McDavid scores twice in the final two minutes. Uh, McDavid and Pasternak score in the, the shootout. Moves on to the next round. Hughes Matthews on the other side also goes to a shootout. Team Matthews moves on. Um, final game, Team Matthews wins 7-4. to four. Austin Matthews wins the All-Star Game MVP. Clayton Keller, low-key, really good line mate with Austin Matthews in the All-Star Game. Like, let's somehow get that to work out. Because Clayton Keller and Austin Matthews might be a ton of fun if they can ever get on the same team. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, congrats to Matthews. Biggest yeah, and win. Justin Bieber, celebrity All-Star coach. Yeah, biggest win he's probably going to have in <laughs> Toronto this season. No, did, did you see David Pasternak's interview after it? No. They asked Pasternak, oh. they were like, uh, yeah, so you you guys lost. How do you feel about that? And he went, oh, you know, those Matthews and Nylander needed a couple wins. <laughs> I did see that. I hate the Bruins, but that was good. <laughs> Overall, Mike, All-Star Weekend as a whole, give me a grade on a 1 out of 10. Or 1, one, one to 10, not 1 out of 10. <laughs> it was good. I give it like a... 
I guess I can only give it like a six because I just don't care the next day about the actual all-star game. Yeah. <laughs> Which is unfortunate, but I mean, it was good. It's a chance for the NHL to be like, look, we have celebrities that like us. Like Please. Will Arnett. Yeah. And Michael Bublé on shrooms. That was that was the best moment of All-Star Weekend is when yeah. he's on the microphone. He's like, I took a ton of shrooms. And then two days later, he's like, I wasn't on shrooms. Michael, we all were there. We heard you say you were on shrooms. You can't just lie to us. You can't just yeah. come back later and go, JK, yellow. Yeah. He's like, I was told I was a microdose of shrooms. And it was not. And then Will Arnett trying to come in and like save it with a joke. And it was like, nope. Michael Bublé just talked about doing shrimps. <laughs> uh, well, he came from somewhere back not long ago. It's <laughs> Michael McDonald. I don't know any Michael Bublé songs off the top. So it's one with the closest one I could. I feel like yeah, the oh. winning part of the trophy for the winning team should have been Beaver's jacket. <laughs> yeah. You see that shit? Big pink he, furry thing. He, did he just steal that from Kyle Kuzma? Like, did he run into this Capital One behind Kyle Kuzma, rip the jacket off, and then take off and fly to Toronto? Maybe they they swapped. He gave him Kyle Kuzma a pair of those stupid ass pants he wore for a while. Yeah, like the super baggy crotch. <laughs> when when I first saw Justin Bieber behind the the bench, I was like, "Huh, Jack Hughes looks different than I remember." When did you get that neck tat? <laughs> yeah. All right, Mike, we got some real news to get to here. So any closing thoughts on the All-Star Weekend? Where would you put it next year? Um, I don't know. Why are you asking me this? Somewhere really boring. Why? <laughs> it would be funny. Put it in mullet. I don't think they would based on the amount of tickets they would be able to sell. <laughs> they The NHL is super embarrassed about that, but it'd be fun. Yeah. All right, so the real news we get get to here. First off, the Kings fire McClellan. They uh they bring in Hillier. Uh, you got any you got any thoughts on Jim Hillier? Hiller? I had to do a quick Google search and uh, not a lot of head coaching experience, <laughs> at least in the NHL. Can I can I steal a couple of takes from some other mm-hmm. podcasts real quick that I thought were pretty good about this firing? Mm-hmm. First off, Dave Haxtall, now the eighth longest tenured coach in the NHL. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Eighth longest. He's, anyways, that didn't pop you as much as I thought it would. My other thought on this is, wouldn't have this been way more fun if they hired Jay Woodcroft? (laughs) That's their next game. (laughs) They got the Oilers, and the Oilers are trying to break the the record for longest active win streak with that game. Mm-hmm. or tie the record one of the two bring jay woodcroft in the building that that could be something oh so he can lose to the oilers as they tire tire break the record whichever one it is but like they're losing either way right uh, yeah. it doesn't matter who they bring in the building unless they somehow got john cooper to jump jump ship over there or jim montgomery or something also i should apologize hiller has coached a total of 63 games in the NHL. That was back in the 90s. His last head the coaching 90s. gig. Yeah, his last head coaching gig, according to his Wikipedia page, was in 2001 for the Milano Vipers in Italy. So, well then, all right. Interesting, uh, interesting background for this Hiller guy. I don't know. Maybe they get a little, little, uh, 
new coach bump break the streak now does this coach similar to when chris knoblock came in and the solution was oh chris knoblock's here and also connor mcdavid's healthy so obviously chris knoblock is the reason that the oilers are winning (laughs) um is there any chance that that jim hiller comes in and suddenly cam talbot isn't the worst goalie in hockey i'm gonna go out on a limb and say probably not (laughs) I think this is severe regression for Talbot back towards what we saw last year. Yeah, sounds about Hard right. Not. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think? Kings and uh, Stanley Cup favorites now? No, I think it was the Kings grasping at straws as they continue to fall farther down the standings. Yeah. I trying to, to agree with that. After they spent the first half of the, like, not first half, we'll say first third of the season, <clears throat> looking like a legit cup contender, and then the wheels just fucking came off. When they stopped is, getting goaltending. What is your short list now for teams that wouldn't surprise you if they won the cup? Um, I'd say Knights, Edmonton. No, that would probably surprise me. Um, just a little bit. If Edmonton I'll, won, it would just it would just surprise me just a little bit, not a lot though. Uh, so outside of that, like Knights, Avalanche, with the Rangers are playing way the Rangers are playing. Yeah, Florida is a legit contender. Fuck Boston. I like like how the way the Rangers are playing, you're like, yeah, they could win. But Edmonton winning the cup is like, that's a little surprising to me. (laughs) Just to see them finally do it? Yeah, it'd be a little surprising. (laughs) What about about Winnipeg? Yeah, they've been fucking... I don't get it. Doesn't compute in my brain, but congratulations, Winnipeg, on however you're doing it. I thought this team was going to be in total, like, throughout the year, just selling off pieces by Shifley by I mean they signed them both to a contract what did they get the Shifley contract done I can't remember I know yeah, they got they that got they did done. and they got the hell of what contract done at the time I was critical I was like you need to be blowing this thing up and rebuilding and they were like nah fuck you Mike and now we're gonna start winning they made the Sean Monahan deal got a, a, a 2c now things are looking good in Winnipeg could be a deep yeah. run coming yeah so the Sean Monahan trade for those of you who weren't paying attention uh, 2024 first-round pick and a conditional 27th third to Montreal. Monahan to Winnipeg. Monahan, 35 points, 49 games a season. He's a pending free agent, and he's come off a few injury-prone seasons. But you're right. They got their 2C now on a, a top six that's just been scoring at an outrageous pace in front of a goalie that's been standing on his head all season. I kind of love the West loading up the way they are. Like, the other trade is the Elias Lindholm to Vancouver trade where they trade uh, Kuzmenko a 24 first and a conditional 24 fourth to Calgary, mm-hmm. which second thing people are really talking about how the back half of this first round is super weak this year. So I think we continue to see teams that are cup competitive move first round picks this year and try to hold onto their first round picks in 25, which is supposed to be a much deeper draft. Yeah. But we're just getting these teams fucking loading up, man. Like I think that we're probably still going to see like maybe a Vegas trade, maybe Abs an trade. Edmonton trade maybe an Avs trade. Like these these teams, I think, all see how competitive the West is this year, but that it's open. There's no there's no it's not like the Avs two seasons ago. Or the Avs and Vegas two seasons ago, where it's like, all right, this is a two horse race and everyone else is just chasing at straws. Mm. The the West is open but still super competitive and it matters on the margins. So these two teams go out and they get their two C's on already overachieving teams or presumably over i mean i guess vancouver's on pace for 120 points winnipeg's on pace for like 118 maybe 
Mm-hmm. So no matter what you say, they are overachieving. Teams don't naturally just win 100 – or naturally earn 118 points. That always involves some kind of luck. Mm-hmm. But these teams are, are – they're doubling down on hot seasons with great goaltending. And I kind of love it. Kind of love these these teams going, all right, fuck it. Bring in Elias Lindholm. Bring in uh, Sean Monahan. You know, let's – I don't know. Who's, who's left big name on the trade market? Trevor Zegras. Yeah, I think there's, there's probably not as much of a needle mover. Yeah, there's still some other. I, I want to say there are still some other Calgary pieces that want out. Noah Hannafin wants out, I believe. I mean, Jacob Markstrom. Mm-hmm. You talk about a Kings move they can make there. An Edmonton move they can make there. Uh, Edmonton's got one of the best goaltenders in the league, and Stu Skin, baby. Just maybe Nazem Nazem Kadri back to the Abs. I mean, there's there's a lot of possibilities for the way things can go now. I, Phillies falling off. Maybe that you flip that new Tippett contract somewhere else. I just, there's just like, I I kind of can't wait to see how much the West is going to load up by the trade deadline. At least I'm I'm hopeful. Maybe I'll end up being super disappointed that these are the only two notable trades. Now nah, it does start to feel like there's a bit of an arms race brewing in the West uh, because it is the more competitive conference this year. But I wonder if you could also see like a. Like sometimes in a conference where there's only a couple teams, two or three teams that seem like they're actually really good and can make a deep run, you'll see one of them go out and make the big splash to kind of like separate themselves and lock down that conference. But so yeah, in the East, if you had to put money on it, what team do you see making a splashy trade? I feel like the Rangers are always out there talking to people. I could see them. I think Carolina should make a move. I don't think they will. <laughs> yeah, you talked about the conversation we had a second ago about teams mm-hmm. you'd be surprised if they won the cup. I think I'd be pretty fucking surprised if Carolina won the cup at this point. Oh, I definitely would. I think Florida's another good one. They've been mm-hmm. they've had an elite defensive team in front of Sergey Bobrovsky, who just has to play like league average in front of that defense, and you're good. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see them get, you know, another guy. Uh, who's the most underrated guy? Seems like everyone loves to call Panthers underrated. Most underrated guy on the trade market. Adam Henrique. Is that a good one? I think he's 75 years old. He might be 75 years old. <laughs> <He's not> gonna... <laughs> that, talk not... about a big winner from the trade deadline, though. Or for the trade so far. Fucking Anaheim is going to be able to name their price for some of these players. Because giving up two picks and a player for Elias Lindholm and two picks for Sean Monahan coming off of a super injured season last year. Mm-hmm. Man, you want Zegras? You want Troy Terry? I mean, I don't, I don't know who they're they're willing to, to part with, but you want some of these guys off of Anaheim? It's going to be a little bit more expensive. Yeah, I feel like we're under trade deadlines March 8th. So we're getting there. So I feel like it's time we start doing some, some trade deadline segments here. That's kind of what we're doing right now, Mike. A little bit. <laughs> A little bit, I guess. Any more thoughts on these trades? Uh, no, I like them for both teams. I think they're both good trades, especially like I think Vancouver expected to make a leap this year and no way the leap they have made. Part of it could be, you know, PDO that has regression coming, but they've somehow been impervious to it so far. And then same thing with like Winnipeg. The optics around that organization going into the season were that eventually they were going to have to blow it up. 
And so for them to have the year they're having, going ahead and saying, fuck it, let's go, let's make a deal and try to make this run, I think go for it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like both these trades too. All right, Mike, I got one last question for you, and then we'll get out of here. Okay. Do you think Austin Matthews hits 70 goals? What's he on pace for? 70. 70, exactly. Yeah. It'd be the first time since the 70s that a player has scored 70 goals. Maybe the 80s. I have to double check. Maybe 91. I saw the stat earlier. <laughs> I couldn't remember if it was 71 or 91. <laughs> I hope so. Because I think that would be awesome for hockey and just awesome to fucking see in general. Uh, but I'm not. I wouldn't put money on it. Can you put money on it? That's the question. I'm sure there's some book out there. Or I, you can probably find his total goals like over under. It's probably set close to that. You can... Um... You can bet Nate McKinnon to record one plus point in each of the 41 Avs home games. I'm not seeing anything for Austin Matthews, though. Hold on one season. Hold on one second. All right. Why? The last, the last 70 goal season was 92-93. Okay. By who? Uh, Timu Selani? Timu Selani of the Anaheim Ducks, yes. And Alexander Mogilny. Alexander Mogilny. There you go. They both did it in 92-93. Okay. <laughs> How did you pronounce McGillney's name? Mahogany. <laughs> Mahogany. What do you think it kind of is like ma- mahogany? Is that where you're going? <laughs> Listen, man. I wasn't exactly watching uh, hockey four years before I was born. That's true. How about this? Yari Curry. Is that a guy? Yes, that is a guy. There you go. He had 70 goal season. And you said that one right. Very good. Yeah. Brett Hull. That was an easy one. Yeah. Foot in the crease piece of shit. <laughs> Do you um you have this up yet? <laughs> I'm just kind of filling the time waiting for you to Google whatever you're Googling. I was just looking at the game's play difference between uh, Reinhardt and Matthews because Reinhardt is 37. He's played three three more games though. So Reinhardt's probably not hitting 70 goals. But when's the last time we had a season with two 60-goal scorers? That's a good question. Uh, well, I would have to pay for StatMuse to figure that out, so <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Do some research. Come back to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, Stay tuned you any, the next week. You got, you got any more hockey thoughts there, Mike? No. Past the All-Star break. That's always exciting. Coming down the home stretch, ski, brother. Coming down the home stretch, ski. You uh, you got any plugs this week, Mike? Um, not specific, but I will say you can check out all my fantastic work at Salon.com and follow Adam to see when that work comes out. And other than that, follow me at Town Alone Mike on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And I'm gonna try to start getting back on the threads thing since it sounds like it's picking up again. I felt like it was kind of dead for a while, but making a comeback. Yeah, you can follow me at Town Alone Adam. You can catch our podcast here every Monday, Thursday, and Saturday, at least for two more weeks. You can follow me on Twitter, Town Alone Adam, Threads, Town Alone Adam. You can read my League Pass watchability rankings every Tuesday. We just had Tyler Karkara put out a essay about uh, why everyone is watching Saltburn. And uh, yeah, keep abreast of our information. Check out talentalone.com for anything extra and email us at talentalonepod at gmail.com if you have any thoughts, questions, or know the last time that we had 260 goal scorers in one season. I appreciate the help.